What is up, everyone? My name is Danny, and this is the It Makes Sense podcast. Here at It Makes Sense, we address why the Christian worldview is the only worldview that makes the most sense out of life in the universe. Hey, guys, I appreciate you showing up today and watching another episode. Today, we're going to talk about life without God would be absurd. This was something that we did. I did a teaching on this just recently on a podcast, Faith, Family, and Politics, hosted by my awesome producer, the man, the myth, the legend, Joshua Cummins. Uh, that was, uh, we put, when did that get out, put out? When did we? Okay. All right. So by the time you watch this, hopefully um, this will be coming out next week. And then at least within that week, we've, we've got the, that FFP is called Life Without God is Absurd. And so it's Faith, Family, and Politics, host Joshua Cummins. You'll um, see Alan from the host of Laughing Libertarian. You got Louis Rodriguez of R- Rodriguez's Rants, and then myself. And I'll, I'm doing the teaching side of that, which is the, the first part we do the faith side. And we're going to talk about today a little bit more of an extension of what I talked about. It was a little bit more conversational. So this one is going to be a little bit more informational. All right. So. What I'm wanting to really discuss and talk about, and it's interesting how atheists will claim that God doesn't exist, but they'll make that claim without actually taking the time to understand what that implies. And, and so what we have to do is when you have that claim, God does not exist, we have to match that to our reality now. If it does match up, then, then what does that mean? If it doesn't match up, then what does that mean? So really, it's, it's a claim that just sort of gets thrown out there. And usually it's there are obviously there's philosophers and there's scientists and, and, and some really intelligent people that, that know what they're talking about and make this claim and make this argument. There's also a lot of people will just say, I don't just I just don't believe God exists. And usually it's because they heard somebody like Richard Dawkins talk about God doesn't exist, or you know, they, they heard that Frederick Nietzsche said God is dead and, and for whatever reason in their own life and their own experience they accept that, but they don't really take the, the time to research what are the implications of God not existing. And, and if God doesn't exist, if there's certain things that wouldn't exist with that, then what does that mean for the world I'm living in today? And, and if I'm living in a reality now that doesn't match it, and I want to believe God doesn't exist, can I live that actual life in this current reality now anyway? So there's a lot there. Um, but what first I want to do is sort of talk about the word absurd and what I mean by that. Uh, absurdity is, is the state or quality of being absurd or inconsistent with obvious truth, reason or sound judgment, want of rationality or common sense. Um, so, so when I say that life would be absurd without God or God not existing, then life would be absurd. What I'm saying is, is it's just it's just an obvious statement once we really dig into the implications of a godless universe. All right. So atheist claims God, that's the claim, God does not exist. The Christian response should be: how can a universe that is accidentally made have meaning, value, and purpose? So because an atheist is typically, they're naturalists and they're going to believe most of them. I'm not going to say all of them. It's a general statement. There's even atheists that will say they're agnostic. I just watched a debate the other day and uh, the, the person on there who said he was an atheist, he's like, I'm an agnostic atheist because I believe there could be somebody out there, but I see no evidence for it. So there's a lot of little qualifications in there sometimes, but we're just going to talk generally about what an atheist believes. And usually they are naturalists, which means... They believe in this box called the universe, everything in it, that's all there is. So the only thing, like a, a phrase that Dawkins says, the only thing that matters is matter. So they don't believe in miracles. They don't believe in the supernatural. They they have a hard time 
defining or identifying the origins of morality. Uh, consciousness is a mystery to them. So there's a lot of things that aren't part of matter that they have to account for because it's part of their reality. And, and so with the whole idea of morality, it is one of those things that there's, there's most of them will just say morality doesn't exist. And then there's a small subset that'll say, well, morality does exist because we see it in our world. And so they try to justify how morality can come out of an atheistic system or a system without God. The Christian response, let me repeat that. How can a universe that is accidentally made have meaning, value, and purpose? So what I mean by accidentally is we're talking about the Big Bang. So the Big Bang happened. It, there's, it's just a random occurrence. So if you believe that there was space, time, and matter, or at least uh, energy or whatever you want to believe as far as there being something physical prior to the Big Bang, which means it was here for all time, for all infinity, uh, somehow it's always existed, okay? It always existed, it's here, and it will always exist, according to the idea of what, what atheists and naturalists like to put forward. Or there was nothing, all right? And nothing developed and came into something. And even, the, even to the fact that non-living uh, or non-organic organisms developed into organic organisms. And so this all happened accidentally. And I would say that on top of how does an accidental universe create meaning and value and purpose within it, I would also ask these questions. What would a world without God look like, which is what I started with, and does a world without God match reality? Remember that. You want to ask that. Don't just take the claim and say, oh, God doesn't exist. Say, well, let me ask you about that. What do you mean? You know, what would the world look like without God? And if they say, well, the reality of it is what we live in now. So I believe God doesn't exist. We're living in this world. This is my reality. So this world. And then, then you can go from there and we'll say, well, what about this? How do we have meaning? How do we have value? How do we have purpose? Do we have meaning in this world today? They will most likely say yes. Now, the, the really staunch atheists, the, really, the ones that do a lot of the studying, the philosophers, the ones that really dig in, and this is what they do, like Richard Dawkins or, or uh, Christopher Hitchens when he was still alive, uh, they, would, they would adamantly say that you know, pur purpose and morality don't exist. And we'll get into that here in just a minute. But these are questions that you need to ask. You need to ask them and challenge this. Don't just accept their premise and let them go on in their argument because I can guarantee you that for somebody and most people that you talk to that are atheists that haven't really studied or researched their own worldview, there's going to be a lot of contradictions that they haven't even thought of that you can just simply easily think through and, and logically be able to present to them and say, well, what about this and what about this? And that's sort of what we're going to do today. All right, so if reality doesn't match the claim, we have to conclude the claim um, that God doesn't exist is absurd. Okay, just going back to the definition, the obvious truth is that God uh, must exist because we live in a reality that doesn't match a world without meaning, value, and purpose, even though the atheists like to say that's, that's, what, uh, that's what we have. What does the claim God does not exist imply? Well, it implies no ultimate meaning, no ultimate value, no ultimate purpose, meaning there's no ultimate meaning in why the universe was created because it came together accidentally. There's no ultimate meaning for human beings or for animals because we're all basically accidentally made. There's no ultimate value uh, in the sense of there's no value in anything. There's no value in um, working hard at your job. There's no value in, uh, you know, an animal trying to stay alive, if we're going to die into nothing, then we're going to ultimately live a meaningless and, and, and valueless life. Uh, what's the point of all of it? 
uh, and, then op- and, and then no ultimate purpose. Uh, if there's no uh, immortality, then what's, what, why are we here? Okay? Many atheists do not argue these implications, but affirm the implications are stark and gloomy. So there are, there are atheist philosophers out there that admit that the idea of a God not existing is pretty, um, pretty horrific when you actually boil it down. Okay, So let me, let me share a few quotes from some not-so-well-known atheists and some well-known atheists. Lauren Isley, he's a philosopher, natural science writer, American anthropologist. He said, man is the only creature to ask why questions regarding his existence. And since enlightenment has tried to answer without God, this question of why. So he's saying, we ask why, but we're trying to answer it without God. All right. And, and we're just basically, he says, he admits that humans are a result of matter plus time plus chance, meaning we are just a bunch of cells put together randomly. All right. Um, and over time, eventually, we, it came to where we're at now. So, so obviously, this means a long time ago. I, don't, I can't even say that the amount of time evolutionists are at right now in the billions of years, multi-billion years, I don't even think that's enough, to be honest with you, that the matter plus the time that it took for us to finally get to where we're at all happened by chance. Okay. Now, just think about, uh, I'm not a scientist, but I can imagine an atom, and I can imagine a proton and a neutron and electrons all have to come together to form one atom. And so let's just say these things existed already. Particles are already there. They've been there for infinity. It's, it's a hard thing to imagine that that could actually be true, but let's just say they were. That means that at some point these particles in, ended up moving just randomly. Somehow energy was there and decided to move. Another weird impossible feat, but they did. And they found each other. And they found each other in such a way that they, t- they formed an atom. Okay, And this, these atoms eventually over time formed molecules. And then eventually they started to form objects and matter. And these things started to grow and turn into planets. And planets started to do all. But you, it breaks down completely to the atom. And I don't know that you can number how many atoms are in the entire universe. But there's a lot. And so this process had to happen of finding the right combination for every atom in the universe. I mean, I can't even say how many times to the 10th power that would have to happen in order for it. Again, I use the example of taking a deck of cards, taking 52 cards, take them out of the box, throw them up in the air, and that you're going to do that until they land on the ground in the form, all 52 cards in the form of some kind of structure, like a house or, or whatever. So you have 52 cards you're just going to throw up in the air over and over and over and over again until they land, all of them, stacked on top of each other to form some kind of house or structure. How many times do you think that that, could, that, that would take for you to do that? Let's use another example. You have a watch. It's on, you have it on a sheet of, uh, on a towel. You, you disassemble it. You have all its parts laying randomly on the towel. You take the towel and you throw it up in the air with all the parts, and then you're you're saying, just like an evolutionist would claim that the start of the universe happened, you're saying that this watch at some point, if you do it enough times, is going to land on the towel and it's going to form the watch again. That's basically the claim that's being made here. So this is what they mean by chance. Lauren Isley also said, the answers are dark and terrible. Instead of freeing self, we're ended, we've ended up orphaned instead. Without God, man in the universe doomed to death. 
So, so Lauren Isley doesn't have a whole lot of positive things to say. This is something though that he believed in. This is something that he accepted. Um, he also ended up being a, a drug user and um, a very depressed individual over time. Um, but that, that's what he said. Now, Jean-Paul Sartre, French philosopher and Marxist, uh, he says several hours or years make no difference if there is no eternity. Universe is marching irretrievably to the grave. No escape and no hope. Again, uh, this, is, this, is what, this is what the claim God does not exist means to these guys who, have, who are some of the smartest people to walk the planet in terms of their area of study. Richard Dawkins, very, very familiar name, evolutionary biologist and author. He said these, these things, and I've got quite a few quotes from him. Humans are just throwaway survival machines. How does that make you feel? Now, again, we're going to talk about if this is a sustainable and, and, and are we able to live this life, but if you are told over and over again, humans are just throwaway survival machines, we know that there are people in this world, we know that there are people in jail that they have committed the crimes they have committed because of the, 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 the life they had as a child, and they were told they were basically throwaway machines. And so they began to act like that. And God was not a part of their life, and they decided that we're gonna, I'm going to act like a throwaway. If I'm a throwaway machine, if I'm worth nothing, if I have no value, no meaning, no purpose, then why does it matter that I try to live like I have meaning or value or purpose? And so I'm going to live like I don't, which means anything goes. And so we, we do. We have quite a few criminals in prison, in jail, that are atheists, that have to some degree lived this, tried to live this particular lifestyle. If this was okay, why do we even put them in jail? That's a question that I would ask. Like if this is what Richard Dawkins believes, why is, is there, and, and he does believe in a justice system. Why, though? Why do we believe in a justice system if we are just throwaway survival machines? See, it's a contradiction. It's a huge contradiction. He also said, only meaning of life is to survive and replicate genes. That's it. That's the, and I don't even know why, why surviving would even be a part of, of his ideology and why he's thinking and why it would even matter to replicate genes. Why would we even think about those things? Humans are foolish to understand that our desires are our purpose of life. Purpose of life cannot be found in materialistic world. I do agree with that. I actually agree with that. But what he is saying is because only thing I believe in is a materialistic world and there is no purpose in a materialistic world, he doesn't believe that there's purpose. I'm saying that we can't put our purpose in materialistic things because we are more than materialistic things. We are more than a matter. We are not throwaway survival machines. He also said, I am against religion because it teaches us to be satisfied with not understanding the world. Isn't religion actually trying to give answers to what we don't understand? Now, I've, I've said this time and again, I, and, and the subtitle for this podcast is that the Christian worldview is the best and, and most sufficient worldview to make sense out of life in the universe. It is, it is an extremely intellectual worldview, all right? Now, faith is a big part of that. It's not all head knowledge, and that's, that's where I think a lot of people get confused is that there's, there's Christians out there, people who call themselves Christians that have a lot of head knowledge, 
but they don't have any heart. So you can reason and intellectually come to the belief that God does exist, but that doesn't mean that you have your faith and trust in him. It's when you put your faith and trust in God that you take that actual step to where you actually become a Christ follower or a believer. And that's where your point of salvation happens, and that's where you're able to be able to spend eternity in heaven with him. But he has a huge problem with religion, Dawkins does. And what he's saying here is it's not an intellectual, it's a crutch. Now, I would take that as a compliment because God is my crutch. I need him. I'm a broken human being, and I need, I need him to lean on. But he's saying it's a crutch that we created it because we need to have something there to help us through. And, and the irony of that, and to some degree, he's right, but we did not create God. It's not something we could even create. It's not something we would want to create if he didn't exist because it wouldn't even be something that would be entertained in our minds. It's, it's so hard, and you, you'll hear me talk about this on, on FFP. I even brought this up that I, was, I wanted the audience, and I want you to try to understand that a life, life without God is not something we've ever understood. Like, we don't understand what nothing is. We have no concept of no thing because we've always had space, matter, and time. And because of that, we have to, we have to step outside to go, okay, uh, uh, all right, if, if it's not the reality that I live in a world without God because of X, Y, and Z, then either I have to believe God exists or I have to live as if God doesn't exist because that's my belief. Can I do that? And I'm, I'm just going to go ahead and say, um, basically, psych. The, the psychotics out there, those who have no sense of right or wrong, that they have a, a mental issue, something going on in their brain, um, or even in their hearts, to where they've just they've gone gotten so depraved that they've trained themselves to be able to not care. Those are the ones you got to watch out for. Those are the ones that are that are trying to live it out. Again, though, I would I would entertain why do we even put them in jail? If Richard Dawkins says, well, you know, we're just throwaway survival machines. He also said, from the scientific point of view, the meaning of life is propagation of DNA. But that's not what I feel. This is an interesting quote from him because he says, that's not what I feel. That's not the meaning of my life. So he's telling us there's, that there is a meaning of life by only creating more life. Like that's the only thing, to carry on your genes, okay? That's the only meaning to life. Then he says, but that's not what I feel. That's not, my, not the meaning of his life. But outside of that, how do you create meaning when the universe doesn't have any meaning? How do you create purpose when the universe doesn't have any purpose? It's like how, again, how do we create something out of nothing? Why do we even think about these things? That's, that is, that's what amazes me. The, the fact that Richard Dawkins and Christopher Hitchens and, and uh, Sartre and, and Isley are even able to take the time to use their brains to have these thoughts. When there's no other beast in the animal kingdom, there's no, no other species in nature that does these things. And yet they're sitting back and they're going, you know what, we're just throwaway survival machines. Well, what does it do for us to have these things? Why, does, why do people get paid to sit in their offices and write constantly and just think about why God doesn't exist? How does that help our survival? It, 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 when you boil these things down, you start to really wonder, I sometimes even wonder how smart really are they, you know? I mean, Josh, I'm going to be honest with you, bro. I'm like, I, I mean, Dawkins is a smart guy, but it's like, how do you miss it? And there's, you know, I can only think either he's, he knows the answer because he believes it, but he's going to ignore it because he's got 
his selfish agenda that he wants to stick to. And he, no matter what, like Christopher Hitchens said, he went to his grave because he died of cancer. And he was like, I don't understand why people are praying for me. I was doing some study and research on him. And there's a great debate out there between him and William Lane Craig called the, the God Debate One. And it's really, really good. Uh, Christopher Hitchens has some really good points, but William Lane Craig really brings out the questions to say, well, how do you sustain these things? And, and where is the beginning of all of it? You know, um, but he's like, why are people praying for me? We <laughs> absolutely true. That is so true. So true. Um, Christopher Hitchens is the next one. And he, and I have one quote for him. He's a British American author and journalist. He did pass away. I think it was 2011 or 12. He had cancer. Um, but he, another, another really smart guy. Um, he, he did believe a little bit more on the side of morality, uh, about that. He felt that ethics, ethics could be lived out in a atheist world. Um, but here's a quote he said, We speculate that it is at least possible that once people accepted the fact of their short and struggling lives, remember that, they might behave better towards each other and not worse. We believe with certainty that an ethical life can be lived without religion. So let me let me go back to that beginning part of that and then stop in the middle. We speculate that it is at least possible, not not definite, but possible, that once people accepted the fact of their short and struggling lives, stop. Short and struggling lives. Again, that is that that is that implication that our lives, and I do agree, they are very short. In terms of eternity, they're extremely short. All right. I mean a blip on the radar. When you think about the eternal reward or the eternal judgment that you will have to go that you will be going through at the end uh, after you die. But struggling. Like it's, it gives me that sense of that it, it's just it's this short and um, a life of 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 pain or suffering, um, things that I'm going to go through that that I have to really you know, for lack of a better term, pull up my boot, bootstraps and, and force my way through. All right, um, sort of like uh, I think of being in one of those obstacle course races and you got to trudge through the mud almost the whole time. You're just struggling as you're trying to get through the obstacles, but you're also in the mud just struggling through it. Like that's how he's looking at life. And then he says that, you know, in your short struggling life that you would, that should inspire you to behave better because it is short and you are struggling. It should, it should inspire you to treat others better and not worse. And then, then he says, you know, we believe with certainty that an ethical life, yet just in the first sentence, he said it's possible, but now he's certain that an ethical life can be lived without religion. But I, I'm going to, the question is, is where do we derive that desire to be ethical beings? Where do we, where do we want, in, in what measure, what's the standard by which we compare evil to good like where is that at who's defining what good is who is the objective perfect being that we can look at the first one to say that's the objective standard that person was all good so we're going to judge all good or all evil based to that person well nobody can point to that person people will say well my grandma she was a very a good woman, you know, she was a great woman, very good and kind and nice and forgiving and yada, yada, yada. But, well, where did grandma get it from? Well, I, I heard her, her great 
aunt, Bertha, was, uh, where, where did great aunt Bertha get it from? Like, where, where does this come from? Because did it come from the supposed monkeys that we evolved from? Did it come from the single-celled organisms that happened way before the monkeys that we came from? Like, when, when did they decide? Because I look at the animal kingdom, and I don't see any uh, basis for morality. I, 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 don't see, I also don't see any animals being put in jail for murder either. So what is the motivation to live ethically if, our, if, if we are doomed to a short and struggling life? Think about that. Ask yourself that question. If Christopher Hitchens is right, why, what are we motivated by? Atheism tries to answer these questions but is left wanting because it is only logical to assume that man, being an accidental byproduct of nature resulting from matter plus time plus chance, can only move through life by responding to its environment and adapting by trial and error. There is no reason to do otherwise. There really isn't. If, if, we, if God did not exist, we would not be this, the human species that we are. We wouldn't have free will. Everything we did would be just like what we see currently in nature where everything responds to uh, its surroundings with it. It's, it's giving an, an innate, inborn... Um, response to its environment. So if the environment changes, then for whatever reason, okay, whether it be the climate or whatever, then the response of the animal or the insect or whatever you want to call it is going to adjust. Now, it may not adjust right away, so it may die several times, but eventually it, it, there's, there's what we call microevolution, a mutation of some sort that helps it survive in that environment. We, we see this all the time. This is scientific. I don't deny that. I'm not a denier of microevolution and mutations, okay? That, that's been proven. What's not been proven is macroevolution where we go from one species to the next. And even if we did, I don't see any link before human beings where morality is, is considered to be an option or to be anything that's necessary for survival. So, again, my question would be is, am I inspired by living organisms who are doing everything they can to not die that day and continue just to live, to eat, to sleep, and to have sex? Uh, where, do I, where do I find that desire and inspiration to be morally good or ethical to the people around me? So I want to talk about a few statements, all right? And I'm going to go through these pretty quick, but Think about each one of these, and, and I'll make sure you understand when I go to the next one, but here's the first one. Mankind is a doomed race in a dying universe. What is the reality? The reality of a designed universe is not consistent with the claim it accidentally formed. We see design everywhere. And again, the amount of failures that would have had to happen for the eyeball to form, a peacock's tail to form, okay, for for the mechanisms in DNA to form. The amount of times, the amount of failures that had to happen, it's, it's just, you might as well just not even try to count it. Not even try. So, reality of a designed universe is not consistent with the claim it accidentally formed. Therefore, an intelligent designer was the first uncaused cause, a.k.a., my opinion, the Christian God. And the reason why I say Christian God is because there are other gods and supposed stories of creation the only one that I see that has the evidence or the reasonable um, 
the reasonable understanding is the, the, the creation story we read in the Bible. God as the creator logically and more fully answers the question, where do purpose, meaning, and value come from? The universe is expanding, but slower and slower as time carries on, and it's getting colder. However, that doesn't mean the human race is doomed. In light of God's existence, he is in ultimate control. God loves us. God has a plan for us. God is not bound by the box of the universe. He created it. He, he, you can't have a being inside something create something because that being had to be created. No, for creation to happen, this being has to be outside of space, matter, and time and to have existed infinitely and is all-powerful, all-knowing, all-present, all okay, and, and is able to also work in that box. And so God's love and the reason why he created us, and I'm going to bring this up here in a minute, is the reason why we're not doomed. Now, let me preface that. There is, there is salvation, and there, is people, there are people who are going to reject that gift of grace of salvation. And so they are eternally doomed, I would say. Yes, that would be uh, eternal judgment in hell. Uh, but they're, they're, God has given you another option. All right, he, and he he is a great and good and loving God. So, so you can't sit there and say I didn't know, or I you know I'm just doomed to this eternal hell. No, there is another option, and I've talked about it plenty of times, and I'll talk about it some more. All right, here's another thought: What if the Big Bang never happened? In terms of the theory evolutionists put forward, it did not. Science does not support the theory that space, matter, and time came into existence out of nothing. It just doesn't. There's nowhere in our world that we've ever seen this. Don't let somebody try to tell you, well, quantum physics, no. Quantum physics happens in a vacuum, and though these particles are popping in and out in a random sense, seemingly from nowhere, vacuum that they're in is full of energy. So it is something, okay? It is something. It's not nothing. Science also does not support the theory that non-organic matter can spawn organic matter. When was the last time we saw a rock produce a baby deer or a worm or any living organism for that matter. It can't. It's a rock. Maybe something inside of it was living and it produced something, but the rock itself is non-organic. It is not going to produce a living organism. We've never seen that happen. In terms of the creation theory, a big bang could describe God speaking the universe into existence. In other words, when he said, let there be light, Josh, did you did you ever think about that? The Big Bang actually did happen when God said, "Let there be light." You know what I'm hoping? You know how there you go to um, one of those planetariums, right? And sometimes they'll show you and their the evolution and how it all started, right? I'm hoping when we're in heaven, God's going to have a planetarium, and He's going to have this on on film, and He's just going to run it back. He's say, "This is how it happened." <laughs> I just got chills thinking. <laughs> uh, I'm sure he'll set that up for you. Just go ahead and ask him now. All right. So in terms of creation the th theory, Big Bang could have described God speaking the universe into existence. Otherwise, if God did not create the universe, it took trillions upon trillions upon trillions upon trillions. All right. Upon trillions to near the infinity power of failures before a proton and a neutron found each other and began to form an atom that could at some point 
create non-organic matter, and then eventually create organic matter. This is if we even accept the premise that nothing can create something. But scientists will tell you, someday, someday, I hate to say it, it is not going to happen. All right. Another statement here, because man ends in nothing, he ultimately is nothing. Not just because of a lack of immortality, but also because mere duration of existence does not equal meaning. Reality is man. The reality is man is ultimately nothing. To live that kind of life requires no moral obligation. We should, li- um, we should live as the beasts of the world, survival of the fittest. Let me, let me say that again because that sort of came out weird. Let me start over. They're saying the reality man is ultimately nothing, and to be ultimately nothing, to live that kind of life requires no moral obligation. Meaning, if who are we obligated to treat nicely or treat be good to without God existing? In other words, we should live as the beasts of the world, survival of the fittest. This, this is the reality. Man is vastly unique in comparison to all other living creatures and species. That is the reality. We ask why regarding our existence. And that is the question. Where does meaning derive from in an accidental dying universe. A person cannot create meaning themselves if the universe is ultimately meaningless. And I, and I want to say this, that when we're talking about, um, when we're talking about this, we should live as the beast of the world, survival of the fittest. Again, we, we can't imagine, imagine a world with, without us asking why. I was, I, matter of fact, our first podcast, go back to the very first episode, and I answered three questions. And the, the atheist naturalist in that, that answered those questions, because I read his answers to the questions, he even says, it's no, even, no point of even answering these questions that he was answering in his article. Because we shouldn't be asking why. I get that we shouldn't be asking why, Josh. But we do. So that should mean something. Right? I just used the word mean. So if there's meaning behind what we want to know, words have meaning. Words wouldn't have meaning. That's not, you know what I mean? In a meaningless universe, words wouldn't have meaning. So would we have words? I'm going to venture to say no. We might have grunts. Grunts. You know? I don't know. Uh. <laughs> I don't know. You get... I, you, hey, yeah, you think too hard, man. You'll get a headache. It's yeah. I've fallen down that rabbit hole before. Yeah. Right. The wheel, you know, yeah, all those things. All right, here's my next statement. Uh, the next statement I want to discuss. Without God, who says whose values are right and wrong? That's a great question. Just like something cannot be born out of nothing, meaninglessness cannot bear meaning. It means there's no meaning. There's nothing. <laughs> if there's no meaning, that doesn't mean there's potential to have meaning. It just it's not there. Therefore, right and wrong, good and evil require a standard. Standards are something set up and established by authority as a rule for the measure of quantity, weight, extent, value, or quality. Key phrase here, established by authority. So where did the authority come from? Is an accidental universe enough to be an authority to create an idea for morality. And if, and if good and evil exist, 
when was the first good? When was the first evil? Again, let me let me preface this. The general consensus in atheism is morality doesn't exist. There is no good and evil. So for you out there that's struggling with this, and you're going, well, I've said I I've said I'm an atheist and I believe God doesn't exist, but I don't know that I can um, get around the idea that there's no good or evil, because we we call things good and evil all the time. We've just had several uh, shootings and a guy running people over in Texas. I would say we would say that was evil. But if you don't want to say it was evil, then why should that person even be arrested? I mean, we wouldn't have a justice system without good and evil, without morality. So if this is the case, the reality is, and the reality doesn't match the atheist claim that good and evil don't exist because yet where we are saying good and evil do and in arresting people and charging and put taking to court, convicting and sentencing people, even to death sometimes, on a charge of what is apparently breaking the law, which is what would be deemed evil. Based on what? Right. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Josh. Thank you. That's where I'm at in my head. All right. Here's another one. This is a this is a good one. What difference is there between Hitler and Mother Teresa? In a world without God, even in even and I will bring up Sam Harris. Sam Harris is an atheist, and Sam Harris believes that moral uh, there's there is objective moral values in this world, and that we do have an objective moral obligation to what I don't know, but his statement is it's well being. So let's use that. Let's use well being. Okay, who's defining well being? Who's defining well being for me? For me as a human being, who's defining my well-being? Well, if, if it was Hitler and I lived in Germany, he would have defined it as in, we have to kill all the Jews, right? But Mother Teresa, God rest her soul, who I believe is maybe not at God's right hand because that's where Jesus is at, but that woman is there, okay? But she would believe exactly the opposite of Hitler. So what do we have here? In a world without God, there would be no difference. As people like to say, Hitler's truth would be his, and Mother Teresa's truth would be hers, even if they contradict. Have you ever heard that before? Have you ever talked with somebody, and, and you start to talk about, well, for me, I've heard it all the time. I talk about the Bible with somebody, and I start talking about, and, good, and then they're like, well, and I'm like, the, you know, the truth is Jesus died for me and you and rose again for us, and we're sinners, and he died for our sins, and yada, 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 you know how it goes. And they'll go, well, that's your truth. That's not my truth. Well, where, do, where does that end? Where, where does that stop? Because with Hitler and Mother Teresa, Hitler had his truth, obviously, and Mother Teresa had hers. So this is a contradiction. However, in reality, this is breaking the law of non-contradiction. Even Dawkins and Hitchens wouldn't deny logic exists. They may not deny morality, but they don't deny logic because they have to use logic to have the questions and the thoughts and the claims and the premises and the conclusions that they're coming to. Um, so therefore, the laws of logic exist, which means the law of non-contradiction exists. And, and this would be in a world where there is no God. Logic could not exist. A hundred percent. I mean, we can't, I mean, <laughs> I had a, somebody tell me, well, all truth is relative. Is, is that true? 
it, think about that. That's a self-refuting statement. You you know what? When you're having conversations, we're going to go over logical fallacies sometime because most of the conversations you have, you could immediately redirect and get the person on the right footing when you can notice the logical fallacies. So when somebody, when you're having a conversation about relative, relativism or uh, truth being relative, relative truth, and they say, well, all truth is relative. The question should be, are you telling me the truth now? And they would, what would their response be if they actually think about it, if they're actually using logic and reason, their response to, they would have to, they, they wouldn't have to, anything to say. Because either the, tr- the statement is objectively true, which means it's not true, because that's an objective truth, which means <laughs> that's a truth that stands for everybody, which means this statement is a lie, which it just refuted itself, or it's not true, and therefore he's just saying words without meaning. Because objective means that it's, it's for everybody. It applies to everyone. That is, truth is reality, right? It's what matches reality, and that's what we're talking about. What does, does the atheist truth claim, their truth claim, match reality? Um, so continuing on in that, first, there is no species from which we could derive logic in the macroevolution theory that one species evolved into another. I spoke about that just a second ago. Humans evolved from animals that do not practice logic and reason. I think we can see that. <laughs> Uh, and therefore, Hitler and Mother Teresa wouldn't live in terms of morality because morality wouldn't exist due to there being no moral lawgiver. So neither one, if there was no God, Hitler would be fine to do what he did. Mother Teresa would be fine to do what she did. Nobody would be the wiser because you can't tell either one of them who's right or who's wrong because there is no right or wrong, because there is no God. If it is subjective, then Hitler would not have been wrong to commit genocide of the Jews. Problem is... We know we can't admit to that. Like we can't sit there and, and objectively say that Hitler was right. Because if we do say Hitler was right, then that automatically is going to say Mother Teresa was wrong. And I don't think anybody's willing to, to go that far. I, I'm sure there's somebody. I'm sure there's somebody. There's always, there's always somebody. So next comment here. Sartre says moral values are just byproduct of personal taste or sociobiological evolution. Okay. Why do we have personal taste when it comes to morality? Morality is what is evil in light of what is good. We only know when something's on because it's been off, or we know something's off because it's been on, right? Morality has to be defined by an objective source. It can't be just relative because then there is no morality if it's all relative. Humans are too subjective and corrupt to create or define what is good. They can only recognize it. And this is a statement that I love to say. We don't create truth. We don't create reality. We just identify it. We recognize it. We see it. Okay? So, so if you think you can create your own truth by saying your truth is your truth and my truth is my truth, you're wrong. We didn't create gravity. Gravity was there before we knew it was gravity. It's always existed. Well, it's always existed since God created it. Okay? But it being in existence, it didn't just all of a sudden come into existence when Isaac Newton had an apple fall on his head. (laughs) Okay? Uh, No, it's always been there. But it's been identified. We identified it through scientific method, trial and error, right? Observation, experimentation. 
So we identified something that was already there. A law is already present. It's already there. We do not create that law. We did not create the law of non-contradiction. We did not create the law of thermodynamics. We did not create these things. They were reality. They are facts. They are truths that have already existed. We just identified them. What would be the benefit in socio-biological context to deem any killing bad? In, in a world without God, wouldn't that just put us on the same level as lions, for example? I've said this before. I'll say it again. Are lions arrested, charged, and judged when they kill a wildebeest? No. They are considered doing what they must do to survive. So if we're going to apply this standard, that if we're going to follow along what Richard Dawkins says, why aren't we living like the lions right now? Why do we have a justice system? Why do we arrest people for, for a, apparent evils that they commit? Why, if we're even going to say this is socially or culturally created, will we say that a culture thousand years ago was doing something that we see as morally wrong? Why could we, how can we sit there and say it was morally wrong if they created this and that's what their society agreed upon or that's what their culture instituted? We don't have the right to say now that it was wrong. We may have a different idea of morality and, and, and enact it in a different way. If we're going to say that cultures and societies create morality, we have no right to tell any other, and even, even present today, if what we do here in the United States versus what somebody does in a village in Africa or in India or wherever, or some remote you know, town in China, if they have various morals that are different than what we have here, who are we to say, even if we don't agree with them, we have no right to say that they're wrong and we're right. However, if they, think about this, if they come from their town to our place where we have our certain moral system and they decide they want to live out what they're doing in their town here, then they would be in their own eyes, if they weren't allowed to do that, considered to be doing an immoral practice. Now, how do we rectify that? If we're not supposed to say that they're wrong, but they come to our system and they don't live by our system, it's, it's going to, there's an argument right now, and I know there's people in Congress right now that are trying to pass Sharia law. Sharia law, there's a lot in Sharia law that is not constitutional in the United States. Let's, let's not even talk about God's law, but just in our constitution would be, uh, would be illegal, not allowed. But there, there are Muslims that are trying to say we should be allowed to practice Sharia law. Well, if you live in a society where they believe in, in moral and in relative uh, morality, then yeah, they should be allowed to practice that. And we shouldn't be able to say it's wrong. But the reality is we don't. We don't live in that. Um, all right. Concept of moral obligation is unintelligible apart from God. Who are we morally obligated to be good to if God, the moral lawgiver, doesn't exist? Our fellow humans? Why? If they're not morally obligated to us, why should we be morally obligated to them if there is no God? Why can't they just choose to do what's best for them always? Isn't that just, isn't that just sort of how we should live our lives if there is no moral lawgiver? Again, why, do, why does the animal kingdom get the pass in a, in a world without God, and yet we have to continue to be ethical and moral to each other in a world without God? 
Well, my, my argument is, is it wouldn't even be a consideration. We wouldn't be jealous of them because we'd be acting just like them because there was nobody there in the beginning to say that this is right or wrong in the first place. If I am an accident, you are an accident, and I'm an accident, then we have no purpose. We have no meaning or value. We also wouldn't even think in terms of value. We would think in terms of kill or be killed. What can I kill for food, shelter, and warmth? That's all we'd be concerned with, etc. We wouldn't think in terms of who. This one popped in my head. I thought this was good. This was a good one. We wouldn't even think in terms of who. Who implies agency and individualism. There wouldn't be a need for that without God because we have no meaning. We have no value. We have no purpose. This is what I thought was pretty awesome because lions don't think about who, right? Hey, hey, Mike, I'm going to go over there and kill Jerry the wildebeest. No. <laughs> no. He doesn't think of who, who the wildebeest Jerry is, right? Neither would we if we have no value, no meaning, no purpose. Why, why would I? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It would, it just Who would not be? It would always be what? God is defined in the Bible as being the all-good creator to whom we are only morally obligated to. That moral obligation, however, means that in effect we are good to others, including nature. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. That's the first and greatest commandment that Jesus shared with us. The second is just like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. Okay? And, and, and that's, that's, how, that's who we're morally obligated to. God and others, because God said so. Because loving God would, would automatically gear us towards loving others. All right? All right. So, another statement here. All choices are determined by conditioning. In a world without God, we would be no different than nature, responding to stimuli, conditioning our behaviors. However, in a world with God, we know that we have free will because we can choose to do evil or good, which goes to my next, the next uh, statement, freedom is an illusion. Therefore, because it is reality that we can choose evil or good, freedom is not an illusion contrary to popular atheist opinion. So if you combine these two, Basically, if all of our choices are determined and we're conditioned, and no, I'm not going to get into Calvinism and predestination, all that stuff, okay? In, in, in the atheistic mindset, in, in their claims and in their worldview, all right, they're saying that you're not going to really choose what to do. It's just like the birds know when it's time to start to make a nest and when it's time to, to lay the eggs and where they need to go and what they need to do and... um and then how they need to feed them and, and when to kick them out of the nest or yada, yada, yada. So like these things are just sort of set in their hearts and their, in their, not hearts. <laughs> they're just set in their minds. Okay. And they're doing this because this is what that, that's in them already. It's sort of innate. It's, it's uh, instinct inborn. It's there. All right. Any little adjustments may happen because of their environment. And so that's where they respond to the stimuli and that environment. And then the conditions their behaviors but they're just making responses. They're reacting to what's going on and responding to it. And then when, when you look at free will, which is a great defense um, for the existence of God, in my opinion, it's, it's not going to prove it, but it's a def defense against the problem of evil. We have this choice. We do have a choice. And we, we can't, it, it's, it's almost impossible to even have a conversation without having choice in the conversation. And you choose what to talk about. I mean, you literally are making choices constantly. I'm choosing to have a conversation here. I'm choosing the thoughts in my head of what to say and what not to say. 
I'm, I'm, I'm not making, um, I'm not being patterned or conditioned by anything right now other than the free will to be able to have the ability to think and then say what I decide I want to say. And, and also with that, because uh, being a Christian, I have the free will to choose God or reject God. I have the free will to choose his gift and accept it and receive it or also to reject it. Now, I know that's flying in the face of maybe of some of you Calvinists out there that don't agree with me, but it's quite apparent. People reject God and people um, accept him. And, and so with that, this idea that freedom is an illusion would be, would be the truth if God did not exist. But we can see that does not match reality. So I'm, I wanna, I'm gonna, as I'm closing this out, we're getting close to the end here because we got another segment. We've got a, a guest that we're going to have on uh, this episode. Um, I want to I get close to closing here with this. Here are the grave outcomes to a world without God. A world without God, there is no hope for man. There's just no hope. If you're going to die and there's nothing after that, then what's the point? What is the point for all of this? Well, you, you, you want to pass on to your kids. Well, why? Because they're going to die too, and they're going to be nothing as well. There's no immortality afterwards, so what do I have to hope for? Why do I have to hope? What's the, my point? World without God, there's only despair. Without hope, that's what you have, despair. And then how then shall we comfort ourselves? So if I go back to knowing that I am a throwaway survival machine, according to Dawkins, well, how do I comfort myself when, I'm, when that's my reality, when that's supposed to be what I'm supposed to believe? And, and let's be honest, Dawkins doesn't live this out. He doesn't, because that is one of the most depra- depraved, desperate mindsets any person can live. And it's obvious that Dawkins doesn't live this out, because Dawkins lives a life that's probably very fulfilling. He probably does things that he feels fulfilled or gets fulfillment from. He's not living like this throwaway survival machine. So how do we comfort ourselves if that's what we're told to believe? See, the problem with atheism is um, it is a problem to live it consistently and happily within the framework of our current reality. And that's the point. The realities aren't matching up to the claims. And so if we're going to claim that God doesn't exist, but all of these things happen in a world that God doesn't exist, or these things aren't there in a world that God doesn't exist, well, then I, I want to believe that, or I'm told to believe that, and I don't want to believe God exists, so I have to live in this reality. Well, Folks, that's where you end up going to jail for doing things that have no meaning, no hope, and no purpose, or no value because you're going to ultimately start to not care. And you're going to live a desperate life without hope. When people lose their hope, they do terrible things. I am confirmed that every person that's ever committed suicide has done so because they've lost hope. I've dealt with suicidal thoughts in my, in my own life at, at, at times in my life. I've dealt with depression. I know what it's like because every time I ever had those thoughts, there was no hope in my heart and my mind. It was just gone for whatever reason. It's, it's terrifying, honestly. And when people get to that point, they're either going to lash out and they're going to be angry and they're going to be chaotic and they're going to be destructive and they're going to do things that are evil because that's what it leads to. We've seen, we've seen that in our own century, the bloodiest century in, in the shortest amount of time to ever live in was the 21st century, 20th century. Let me take that back. Going into the 21st century. 
And we've seen secular regimes, whether it is the communist regime in Russia or in China, okay, or we're talking about Hitler, which people would debate that he was a Christian, but if you know anything about Christianity, Hitler was not a Christian. And what we see these people that have decided to not feel morally obligated to God, let alone anybody on this planet. I mean, Stalin killed millions upon millions of his own people. Mao Zedong killed millions upon millions of his own people. Pol Pot killed millions of his own people. His own people. And every one of them did not have any respect, awe, or fear of God. So where does that get us? And I'm not saying all atheists are like that, but this is the potential what it leads to. Eventually, that's what it leads to. Look, it is, it is either or. It can't be both. You, you, can't, you can't say that person over there is going to live life you know, without God and say he doesn't exist, and then this person over here is going to live with God. They're, they're not both right. One of them is wrong, or both were wrong. But I'm, I'm going to venture to say one of them is wrong. And, and living without God is from what I'm seeing and what I'm even reading from the atheists themselves is not tenable. It's not something we can do. We can't consistently live that life. And that's what atheists do, and they don't want to admit to that, that they borrow from the Christian worldview constantly. I mean, obsessively. Because they can't live this out. And the very few that do either do terrible, evil things or they kill themselves because they, 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 they believe truly and honestly there's no reason for them to be even alive. So the Christian worldview makes the most sense out of this life in the universe. Biblical Christianity provides two conditions necessary for a meaningful, valuable, and purposeful life. First condition, God. God, he's, he's the moral lawgiver. He's the creator. He's the one that knows every hair on a head. He knows every atom, proton, neutron, electron, every quantum particle. He knows it all because he made every bit of it. And he is also the one who set the standard. And he has given us the standard. And by that standard, we know that he created man and woman as good. And everything was perfect. But he, as the loving God he was, he did not require or force us to love him. He made it a, a, a choice. So we're to blame, not God. But God is so loving that he actually has a plan to be able to draw us back to him. I'll talk about that in a minute. The other, the other condition is immortality, life after death. And life after death is either going to be in heaven or hell. The Bible is very clear on that. It's either eternal life with God or eternal judgment apart from God. Bible affirms that life is ultimately significant. All throughout the Bible, it just talks about the significance and the value, the hope, the purpose, the meaning. Oh my gosh, it's beautiful. Read it. Man has eternal life. This is fulfillment of human existence and what man was made for. Eternity with God. We were made to spend eternity with God. God created the, uh, the garden. In that garden, he created uh, uh, the ability for Adam and Eve to live forever. They were supposed to live forever with God, fruitfully multiply. But yet they sinned, and that's when death came in. Folks, we, were, we are made for that. And whether you want to believe it or not, that's the reality. 
That's what that's why in our hearts we long for something that we never seem to find until we either meet the person of Jesus and realize who we are in light of who he is, the sinners and that we need a savior or we 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 search for it in material things and buying stuff it could be buying a bunch of shoes it could be buying a bunch of dresses it could be alcohol it could be drugs it could be gossip it could be uh attention from people whatever that may look like we all have this longing in us for god but not all of us realize that or we do and we reject it moral values are rooted in nature of god himself Moral choices have eternal significance. God holds man accountable for them. We will be judged. And man's life has purpose, to glorify God and enjoy him forever. And that's the beauty of it. That's how much God, God could have left us in our sin. He, he You know what? And he could have completely wiped us off the, off the planet and started all over again. But he left a remnant in Moses. Not Moses. Wow. I always do that. Let me try that again. He left a remnant with Noah and his family. But God loves us so much that he did that. And God loves us so much that even when he probably did want to start over, over and over and over again, he was like, you know what? I have a plan, and this plan is going to happen. And that plan is to send my son, literally himself, to take on this human flesh and to not only live this life down here with us, but to also suffer an innocent human being, I mean the only completely innocent human being to ever walk the face of the earth, and as God, he suffered. He experienced immense suffering. And then he died a death that he took from us, one that he didn't deserve, but he willingly accepted. And that death and then the resurrection coming back to life three days later, conquering death, and then basically opening up the gates of heaven for us so we choose to accept him. He gives us this gift. By the grace of God, he gives us the gift of salvation. And you have a choice. You can accept it or you can reject it. It's that simple. But all of these truths that I'm talking about here, all of these things that I'm sharing with you, don't just let it get stuck here. You have to, you have to mull it over. I will say this, okay, take everything, think about it, do your own study, do your own research, okay, look these things up, read the Bible, don't judge the Bible when you haven't even read it, would you Would you judge a movie that you've not even seen, people do it all the time, I guess, but it, it, it doesn't make sense though, I don't want to, I don't want to listen to a critic tell me about a movie that they haven't seen, No, not, neither do you, I don't want to listen to a critic tell me about the Bible when I haven't even read it, and so I did, several times, and I'm still reading it over and over and over again, and I will for the rest of my life. This atheist worldview just doesn't hold up. And if we were trying to live this out, there would be severe consequences for trying to live it out. We've already seen that. We already know what those consequences are. And if, and if the world actually existed that God didn't exist in, then there's a lot of things that we wouldn't be. We just wouldn't be the humans that we are. We wouldn't have the agency that we have. We wouldn't have the individualism that we have. We wouldn't be these uh, free will uh, beings that can do good or could do evil. We would just be doing. So why even have the Big Bang anyways? Why, why even have anything, period? 
So I hope I hope this is this is a it's a lot, and again, it can be very depressing when you really get to thinking about life without God. Uh, but know again, ultimately, the beautiful gift of salvation, and that how much God loves you. That even when He could have just left us in our sin and just stayed separated from us and, and continue on, or even just started over all over again, He chose not to, and that He He ultimately loves you so much that He came down to earth and He died for you and He rose again for you and He's waiting for you. Uh, anticipating, just picture him on the edge of his seat, just waiting for you to turn to him. Remember that. We've got a guest today. I'm going to bring him on in just a minute. Um, his name's Cameron, and Cameron is actually one of our producers. He actually is, uh, he, <laughs> we're bringing him on the show today because he had some thoughts and ideas, and he wanted to talk. So after we recorded the FFP episode, he pulled me aside. And he was like, hey, I've got some ideas, and if I don't talk about it, I'm not going to sleep tonight. So I, I couldn't resist. I had to. I had to have a conversation with him. I, I wanted him to sleep, and uh, so we sat. We talked about it, and then we just decided it would be a good time to do another segment of Got Questions. But he's going to ask me questions, or maybe even present some ideas, and I'm going to just share my thoughts. And uh, we're going to do that uh, here in just a second. But before that, I, I just want to say, you know, please like, share, comment, um, leave a review. Uh, we're, we're, we're on rumble, we're on YouTube and we're everywhere that you can download your audio podcast. Um, so let's move into this next segment. Got questions. So I've got Cameron Reed with me here. Now, what, what you got Cameron? All right. So along the lines of like the beginning of your main topics was what was the, what is the purpose without God? Mm-hmm. Um, and some for like a, the atheist standpoint would say, well, legacy, Right. Putting out knowledge, putting out effort of, of progression, whereas that would be their argument. Right. <clears throat> All right. So with, with legacy, just like with anything else, and just like it's also sort of goes back to Sam Harris's well-being argument, right? Um, uh, it's, it's in a world, if, if there is no God, okay, and then if we, when we die, there's nothing. All right. What would be the point of having a legacy if when we die, there's no nothing afterwards. So in the Christian worldview, our legacy is leaving with our children, right? The, the thoughts and the knowledge of God and hopefully a relationship with God. Very much so. And so because of that, though, we know, and, and I just said this in, our, in, in, the, in, in this episode, that we our choices here on earth determine a lot of things in the, in, in the afterlife mm-hmm. for us, right? Uh, the Bible tells us that, um, we don't want to be concerned about riches here on earth. We want to be concerned about riches up in heaven. And so when we're doing things down here, not that we do things, by the way, for riches in heaven, but just because we're doing uh, the good works that we're, we, we want to do because of our faith, right? Because faith without works is dead. Because of our faith, we want to do good works. Those good works do uh, earn us. What, what that may be, it's sort of one of those things I don't really have a clue um, but it does earn us things in heaven that we Crowns. know God's, yeah, God's going to gift us with things when we get up there, you know? Um, so that that would be a legacy, right? Because there's something in the afterlife, but without immortality, without an afterlife, yep. what's the point, right? And so legacy becomes one of those things like... What humans are trying to reach. I, I, I'm just here to stay alive. Yeah. Now I got this little runt in tow, you know? I got to keep him alive too? Mm-hmm. Oh my gosh. Oh, what's the point, right? I mean, we do see animals, lions. They do protect their, their yep. young. They do. But I don't think that's from, I think that's because God has put that in them, yep. not because God doesn't exist. So 
what gives understanding between right and wrong, the atheist standpoint would probably attempt to argue strictly on a societal basis rather than a uh, pre-ordained inherent choice from the original sin. Like like it would already be there, right? They, mm-hmm. So, yes, there is um, William Lane Craig, and, and, and just, and I want to give, uh, I need to say this too, by the way, the this episode is actually built sort of off of a lecture that I just listened to by William Lane Craig. Uh, William Lane Craig has, uh, he has a, one of his best books, in, and he's got a lot of great books. It's called Reasonable Faith. Please pick it up. It's, it's a deep dive, but it's a great book to talk about um, reasons for having faith in Christ. Now, William Lane Craig says there's society says relativism. Yeah. Uh, society does. And then there's the individual. Yeah. Okay? So society says is more or less like this is what we say. This is what we're going to decide. Uh, this is what we do. Society does. It's more of the culture, cultural, yeah. generational. Mm-hmm. It's been there for a while, right? And then the individual where you have your deciding of what you believe is moral and I have mine. Yeah. Okay. And and so when when we look at those and you sort of, you know, sort of hinted at it, if it's inherent, it's already, it's always been there. But then when we look at the reality, it has always been there. Yeah. Now, there are different ways to look at uh, from from one society. People argue, well, you could have one culture over here that actually there there there's a a, a tribe that would take their uh, senior aged people mm-hmm. and they would put them in a grave, have a celebration and meal with them, and then strangle them and kill them, and then bury them in the grave. Yeah. Okay. Now a lot of us would say, well. <laughs> That's not exactly good. That's a little far. That's a little far, right? I mean, there's there's got to be some good of somebody mm-hmm. being there, and there there is, right? Yeah. And and even when a person is to a point to where um, they can't take care of themselves, it is just not humane to decide for them that you're going to take their life, yeah. right? Um, and and so with that, it, it's doesn't matter. A lot of people would say that was wrong. Well, if you believe in, in relative morality, all right, uh, or moral relativism, rather, then you have no right to tell them that's wrong mm-hmm. because that's what they decided was right for their their culture. Their community, right? their society. But, yeah, we do that all the time. And then people try to justify. They're like, oh, well, they did that. So because they did that, we do this. So it must be relative. Morality must be relative. But we all know. And I think there's a general consensus across, and there, there will always be outliers. But in a general sense, we'd all agree, child rape is evil. Very much so. Right? Um, we, would, we would agree that um, deciding to uh, stab somebody in the back just because you wanted to, mm-hmm. not because they did anything to you. But, envy. Yeah, th- those things would be evil. And I think that, that across... The, the 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 gamut in all of history i think that's always sort of been there it's always yeah. sort of been the standard there there are outliers but you can't say that just because they do things a little bit different we do things a little bit different that you know their their morality is their morality ours is ours no that that just doesn't that doesn't fly yeah <laughs> um so th- this is more of a i guess a rhetorical cuz i've got a list for it. Uh, how do we see conditioning in our life around us? Uh, as I, I had that conversation that that night with you, mm-hmm. uh, 
we saw that deers in Japan would often be found bowing to the, the right. community around them because the, they can see that uh, from an animal's perspective that they are either treated especially or treated uh, differently for generation after generation so right. long that they, in that uh, animal that has been taught right. that this is something they can do to stay safe with the community that they're being basically right. pushed up against because they're uh, society of um, structures and buildings and roadways and, and all that would be pressed up against the, the nature reserves that right. would be right next to where the animals are literally in the streets now because they would need to get from one set of patch of trees to, to the next. Right. Right. They, are, they are learning to basically be conditioned by the human element to get around yeah. without danger. Yeah, I mean, that kind of – there's some odd things that we see in the animal kingdom, right? I mean, um, there there's things that we see with, like, when dolphins are in captivity, some of the stuff that, that some people will say even almost takes on some kind of human characteristic, or even when we see animals in the wild taken into captivity in zoos and stuff, we, we see them exhibit some things that seem to be almost human-like, right? But it is conditioning. I mean, uh, uh, you've got deer that um, – I've seen deer crossing – in, in a park at about 10 or 20 at a time uh, across paved roads, you know, in almost what seems like a little bit of a city or a town, uh, totally not fearing anything, right? I, I mean, they, they would actually come up. I know my aunt was telling me one time that she had deer that would come up to her back porch and, and take food out of her hand. Yeah. Okay. And that deer was conditioned to understand that this is safe and I can yeah. do that. And if there's food and it's safe, I'm going to do it, you know? There was nothing there for that animal to say, you know what? I like that lady. She's sweet. Yeah. You know, I think I'm going to go over there and say hi. Oh, she's going to give me some food too. No, <laughs> that animal went over there because it's safe and there's food. Yep. And, and just like with these deer, they've been conditioned to understand for what are the, the, you know, whether it's the you know people in India that make that, that the cow is sacred and the things that those cows understand that they're afforded in that society that other cows aren't, you know, mm-hmm. Uh, those other cows in other places are going to act a little bit different than the ones that are, you know, venerated and raised up as, yeah. you know, to be worshipped. So it, it's all conditioning. You know, it is all conditioning. It's not to say we aren't conditioned either. No. I mean, we, we are in a lot of ways, but we also tend to, um, we can we can stray away from that in, in, in a more of a consistent way than what animals would generally. Um, and then after our talk, I went home and had a conversation with, with my cousin, mm-hmm. who is the perfect producer <laughs> who we usually have for that, uh, for our... Mr. Sterling. Uh, and uh, he, he posed the thought that uh, conditioning was never meant for mankind or ever for animals, because in the beginning, God created the perfect world. Yeah, He created a life without the need for sin. Right. He posed two options, but conditioning is, as uh, Sterling had put it, is more of a process. Right. Conditioning is a series of things you are doing over time to change someone's behavior to accept a common norm or the norm that you want to portray to that animal or person. Yeah. God never had to do that because he only said... This is right. This is wrong. Yeah. 
and here are your choices. Sure. As soon as mankind took that step into their fall, the conditioning was only negative. Right. And then nowadays we are trying to provide that conditioning from God's word, Mm -hmm. from a negative society back into Christ-likeness, right. that that redemptive quality to be sinless, to mm-hmm. be uh, morally good, to be all these things right. to, to help us see if we can be uh, better. Yeah, I, I think that, um, I think it's interesting. I've heard some various um, theories on what, what life would have been like before the fall, right? Um, you know, we, we know that after the fall, animals feared man, okay? Uh, and there's, in, in the sense of not just, you know, we, we see, you know, attacks and of animals and stuff like that. And, and a lot of that is out of fear, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, that, but there are just some species that are very aggressive, okay? And we, I think you could, uh, you could somehow tie fear to that for an animal. Yeah. Um, I think it's, a, it's an interesting speculation, uh, though, to see what conditioning is like. I mean... You know, Adam was uh, supposed to name all the animals. Yeah. Okay. Uh, so in order to do that, he had to see all of them or know mm-hmm. the ones that existed, which I find that very interesting because I'm wondering how far he got in, in, in did he know about the ocean animals? You know, there's a lot of questions yeah. and speculation there. Uh, I, I think I can see, I can see that uh, being a possibility. Um, I also think that though, too, I said in some ways, I think God has, he has put things in creation for them to know what to do right yeah i mean even with the plants mm-hmm. i mean plants know uh you you look at a tree that's in the middle of a field and and that tree will be fully well-rounded now you put that tree in a forest on the edge of a road yeah. and all of its branches are going to reach over yeah. to where it can get the most sunlight mm-hmm. right and so you got plants that you could put in a window and it'll lean over here where the sun's over here and then you'll just watch the whole entire plant just sort of make a half circle if it's in the window and the, the sun's over here and it comes over here that plant will move because yep. it's conditioned to be where the sunlight is so i think i think there's definitely things that were already there but absolutely when the fall happened there was there was a change mm-hmm. and i think i think all of creation felt it you know i i mean all even down to the rocks yeah felt this change and, and there and there became this whoa and all of a sudden, you know, that fear set in. Adam and Eve felt it, yeah. right? They were they were fearful, fearful. And and God even was like, "Why are you scared? I mean, why are you hiding?" That yeah. that demonstrated their fear. Yeah. You know that the rest of creation had to have felt that. So for whatever the animals decided as well, I'm sure that there was definitely like this fear and like this is new, never experienced this before. I've got to respond to that. So uh and I can I can uh potentially see if I can help to sum that up from uh, the way basically God said to Adam and Eve, uh, he basically put it into three words. You will have pain and suffering mm-hmm. yep. from what, from your choice. Yep. Um, yep. And then where previously in this episode, we had talked about the lion mm-hmm. that uh, who, who kills. We may not put a lion who kills in jail, but we definitely, as humans, don't mind putting it down for the sake of mankind. Yeah, that's true. 
we're always. But when does that when does that normally happen? Other than hunting, if we put yeah. down an if we put down a lion or any kind of wild animal, it's typically because they've harmed another human. Yeah, right. But uh, if other a than human hunting. harms another human, we can't say, "Oh, you're." Right. Your, our first instinct is, "Well, we have to put you down now." It's right. Hey, we got a place for you apparently because yeah, it's morally wrong to end another life anymore. Right. I mean, there is just not killing them on the spot. It's not mm-hmm. eye for an eye, tooth yeah. for a tooth. At least not here. No. <laughs> Other places it can be, and it, and it is, but not here. And then uh, on the episode that was uh, for the Faith Family in Politics, it was posed, if the universe was truly without God, uh, there, would no, there would have no basis for good or evil. Mm-hmm. It would be on an understanding of this... Uh, AI basis, this uh, thought that because God does exist, humans created the society rather than this artificial blanket statement intelligence that would have cognitive gear-working understanding instead of a morally ambiguous um, free will consciousness that atheists would want to uh, argue against. Yeah, I, I mean, I think we would be the human version of AI, right? And and that is that really human? I mean, if if we wanted to find human outside of just the scientific fact of us being that you know species, uh, human, and I'm, I'm not going to get into all the science of that because I don't I don't even know all the names and everything. Homo sapiens, you know, is, is there more to being human than just being a Homo sapien? Um, I would have to say absolutely. And does that take away? from us do we become basically an ai a program mm-hmm. right we we would be that program we would be programmed to just like all the rest of the animals programmed to act a certain way to do a certain thing to be a certain way uh we wouldn't ask why we wouldn't have podcasts right we wouldn't be sitting here having these discussions yeah um it, it, you know who knows what we would and would not have i mean we know spiders can build a web would we have some kind of intuitive uh, shelter or way of doing things that was, you know, unique to us. I, I don't know, but all I do know is that morality, uh, good and evil wouldn't exist. There's no, there's no standard for it. There's yeah. nothing to gauge it by. Uh, there's no right or wrong. It would just literally be, you know, surviving and moving along. And like, like I said in the show, we, we wouldn't, it wouldn't be who it would be more what. And that's something that sort of hit me because there's, there is this identity that we have as individuals um, I mean, I mean, think about it. I, I don't even know that I'm assuming that we would all have our own fingerprint, but that would be the only thing that would make us individuals. Yeah. You know, that, that'd be the only thing that would make us unique from one person to the next. Other than that, it's, I, I, I mean, there, there's, there's food over there. I'm going to get to it before you. Um, and I'm going to get to it and do whatever I can yeah. to you because I, I have no moral obligation to you. Exactly. If you're going to take my food, I'm going to make sure you don't, and that's probably meaning I'm going to kill you, <laughs> you know? So, yeah, I, I think that I think we would be a bunch of AI, and there would be no takeover. No. Because who are they going to take over? You know, it would... It would almost be... We're with everybody else. Without that sense of identity or self or um, uh, good or evil bounds... Yeah someone who is a different race would not even see the other person as that sort of threat. It would be if you have a take to that food source or, right. or that oxygen or that 
way of uh, reproduction, then that's the only thing that they would have a threat from, not yeah. any other standard, because there's no, again, moral good or bad. It's how can I survive and how can I keep going? Yeah. And we would not be the danger, most dangerous species on the planet either anymore. Probably would have been wiped out long ago. There's a good chance. Um, <laughs> we don't have a lot of fur on our bodies, you know? <laughs> and then on that thought of that uh, immortality or longevity, um, in a godless world, yeah. why would we ever want to be to prolong ourselves with the thought that one day, no matter how immortal we become, some star dies out or explodes and our little ball of dust is wiped off the galactic map yeah. because there's no chance in, in, in human understanding that we can prevent. Right. Yeah. It, it, it reminded me of a story that William Lane Craig had in his lecture. And I thought this was, uh, it was, it was very, um, it, it was, very deep, but also very, uh, it, it was full of despair. And so the, the story goes, there, there's a man in space, uh, he's in a rock ship, and he crashes on an asteroid, you know, he's able to, he's stranded on this island out in the middle of nowhere, this yeah. asteroid island in the middle of the universe, right? And he's got two vials. He's got a vial, because he knows it's hopeless, he knows his life yeah. has no meaning, okay? He's got one vial that he, could, he would die immediately. Mm-hmm. He's got a second vial that he would live forever. Yeah. Okay, for infinity. Uh, or eternity. And so, so because life is meaning, meaningless and hopeless, all right, he takes the vial to kill himself. Yeah. Gulp, 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 gulps it down, right? And then he realizes he drank the wrong vial. And he drank the one for immortality. And, 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 and so I'm thinking like, wow, that would stink. <laughs> like, yeah. That would really suck. You know what I mean? Like that, that was, that was just that sort of, that illustration hit me because I'm, I'm looking at it like, I mean, if you, I, I know, I know because of depression I've dealt with, I know what it's like to feel hopeless. And it is, I, I don't wish that on my worst enemy. It is the worst feeling in the world. And, and the, that feeling of hopelessness would easily send anybody, anybody to, to kill themselves, right? But then imagine having that feeling of hopelessness forever. Forever. Yeah. So why would we want to um, lengthen our lives? That would be my question, too. Why would yeah. we want to survive? I have. Why would we want to continue on? I have one of the, the perfect answers for basically a godless world and a God-filled wo- world. Humans, as a normal, natural process, we are looking for those God-based characteristics. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We, we oh, yeah. build yeah. grand libraries yep. to know as much as we can, but we never can fill our heads with enough because, well, the human can only hold so much. Well, we try to build technology to to lengthen our life when we know whether it's a atheist world with no God, we just want to be able to stay alive for whatever purpose that is or a God-filled world because we, we, we have that idea that if they're not believing in God, then they want to survive as much yeah. as they can here on earth. Yeah. Whereas, um, it's just, um, 
Well, we're seeking. Yeah. Yeah, it's we are always, seeking. It's always that next process. We're seeking. And and it's that revelation from the Holy Spirit that we hope to hope to get that idea that what we're seeking is either the right thing or the wrong thing. And the right thing is going to be the fulfillment, and that's going to be what we find in God. Um, all right, so we're running up against against uh, the end of this time, but I want you to give uh, w- one more question or statement, and then uh, then we'll we'll end this segment. I was gonna. I was actually gonna see if I had that moment of, of uh, a question I can leave them with. Why do we see a community-based systems and life structures and species around the world that have morality, such as humans would? Wolf packs have, uh, unless an individual acts out from outside the uh, community, uh, would be or. Wolves pack together unless an individual acts out and they are expelled. The older even treated as well as they can become until they become too much to take care of. Ants have an extreme aggression, aggressive tech communities that fight for the survival of their queen. The birds are make congealed colonies that may even have no family ties. They're not genetically really uh, the same family, mm-hmm. but they'll always, because the term birds of a feather flock together, it's always right. still that we are the exact same species, we can still fly together. Right. Um, it's not until another species invades that they s- that we see that humans uh, are, that we see what humans are meant to be as life was designed. Sin was introduced as our downfall and the downfall of the world. God says near the beginning, now you shall be the caretakers of the world. And I, that's okay to make a biblical reference uh that's Gen Genesis one uh, twenty through thirty and two fifteen through twenty five, mm-hmm. and that's the entire entirety of our our main focus as a moral standard. Yeah. So the um, when when we're looking at and people will bring this up. Like I, I had somebody bring up. Well, uh, you can see compassion in animals, mm-hmm. right? And you would think, well, yeah, compassion. Uh, that's definitely a human characteristic, and that that would that would definitely say that animals have emotions and feelings, you know, uh, uh, you know, whether it's sadness or this, that, and the other. And and I, I'm not going to sit there and argue whether or not animals have emotions. Mm-hmm. I, I think we can say that they do to some degree, but that does does that put us on the same unique level? And does compassion is that is that is that something that puts them on the same unique level as? Um, as uh, say, for instance, um, human beings, an example of compassion. There, you know, I've see, if you've seen the video, you can see that the lion is going after the wildebeest, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. And then apparently, there's some alligator in the water that comes after the lion. Yeah. Is the lion is the alligator really having compassion on the uh, wildebeest? Or the crocodile. Let me say the crocodile because yeah. it was an alligator. Yeah. Is is that animal really having compassion on the wildebeest? And so he's going after the lion. No, no, no. He's looking at the lion as food. The lion was dumb yeah. enough to get close enough to the water, and so he's going after the lion. You could also say too, when wildebeest or wolves come to the aid of somebody in their pack or their yeah. group or their herd, are they doing it because of this deep, um, this? deep desire to protect them in a sense like because they love them in the feeling of what we love our children. Yeah. My argument would be no. 
there, there's safety in numbers for them. Yeah. They understand this. This is a condition that they understand that the, the better, the larger and stronger a group is, the better off. We also see the wildebeest leave the old person behind. Yeah, same with wolves. Right? Eventually. Same with wolves, right? Eventually, right? Um, and so as much as we see mama animals protecting their babies, mm-hmm. uh, we also see the groups on a lot of these leaving behind the ones that are older or can't keep up. So, so which is it? Do they have compassion because they're protecting their young or do they have no compassion because they're leaving their old behind? And, and, and so it's, it's it's like, well, what do we do with that? Well, they're animals. Yeah. They're doing what they think is best for their survival. And that's all that matters as an animal. It's more of a pack mentality than actual community, which I would have to like, right. Distinguish as two separate things. I mean, you've even seen complete different species taking care of a, of a, a, an orphaned uh, species of another. Mm -hmm. Right. And so they, they would take them in as well. So we're, we're seeing that maybe it's compassion or what have you, but it's also conditioned of we're here to protect because this helps us. Yes. This helps our numbers, you know, whereas with us as humans, we love our children and we will die for our children and we love our old people and we will die for old people. Individualism. You know, again, there's always exceptions to the rule (laughs) because there's some really selfish, rude, you know, devious people out there. But we look at it because of, of, of this emotion that we have or this feeling or this action that we take called Mm -hmm. love. And that is not something that we've created. That's only something that's been given to us from God. So, so it's, it is, yeah, there's always going to be something that there's always going to be, I'll say this and this will be the last thing I'll say between all these different religions. Yeah. Right. Everybody say all roads lead to heaven. Well, that that can't be possible because now you're saying all of these are right. If you if now if you don't know anything about the various religions you're implying about, then I can see you making that statement. But if you yeah. actually knew something about what they believe, you know that's not true because be. it's it's a contradiction. Yeah. And and either they're all wrong or one of them's right. Okay. But there a lot of religions have the golden rule. Yeah. Right? I mean, we all have the golden rule for the most part. And and because of that golden rule, do you say that we're the same? No, we're definitely not the same. I'm, we're the same here. But when we get up here, we're vastly different. And, and particularly Christianity being the most unique from all of them. So yeah. so there are going to be similarities, you know, in various things that we see. But it, it really comes down to um, there is a specialness. There is a uniqueness in the creation of, of the human race. And, and if, the more we realize that and not... See how Dawkins sees it as this um, throwaway survival machine. The better off we will be. Um, so, folks, I, Cameron, thanks for coming on, man. Always. I appreciate you uh, walking through that and, and just taking notes. First of all, that's awesome. Um, I love trialing the mind. You know, anytime you have notes or you're watching a show, whatever, please come on. It, it, this is a segment that I like to have these questions, these conversations, and 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 just for people out there might have the same questions. And if you do have questions, please leave a comment. Uh, I would love to to have a conversation with you. Uh, again, like, share, um, leave a review. Uh, we'll be on Romo. We're on YouTube. And again, all your, wherever you download your audio podcast, we'll be there as well. I appreciate you guys. Uh, you have a great rest of your day, night, whatever it may be when you watch this. Uh, God bless. 